My mother was the best living example of any person I have ever met in my life for whom I, I never doubted a moment that she loved me. Today is a fun episode, y'all. For Mother's Day, we're sharing some stories from your bishops about their moms. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. I should probably say that there's no rhyme or reason behind which bishops are on each episode. I'm not exactly a systematic kind of person. So either these bishops are on my committee, or someone recommended them, or I ran into them at an event and they volunteered. Here's an example of a recommendation from Bishop Caggiano. You know who I also admire tremendously is Bishop Ricken. He is truly a good, good man. I would, I would interview him. So let's start with Bishop Ricken then. We had to record this over the phone. This is Bishop David Ricken, and I'm the Bishop of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and very happy to uh, come to you through this podcast. Bishop Ricken's mom was a convert. She grew up on a farm in Kansas and became a nurse. Her family did not practice any religion. Her dad raised the Ten Children with uh, the Ten Commandments and the Great Commandment of Love. The 1930s were very difficult out in Kansas, and the dust would blow because of the topsoil problem, and they really had a hard, hard time just making a living. And then she discerned that she wanted to be a nurse. Her dad wanted her to be a teacher, but she discerned she felt called to be a nurse, so he took her to the Catholic Hospital in Dodge City, Kansas, which was about 15 miles away. And she went there after her high school and started studying nursing and became a registered nurse there at the hospital training center. Bishop Ricken remembers what a good nurse his mom was. She was a very, very good nurse. I remember one time going up with my dad to the hospital to see her during a break that she had and just seeing her walk up the aisle in the hospital as she was taking care of patients was such a witness to me that she really loved her profession and she loved people. He also remembers that his mom was no pushover. She was very outspoken, too. She would tell the truth. And uh, she said one time the doctor was kind of yelling at her about the instruments and surgery. And so he was hard to deal with, cantankerous. And she said, what are you chipping the enamel off of your teeth about now? So <laughs> anyway, she was pretty outspoken, and but she was also a very, very good person. Bishop Ricken's mom had a hard time saying goodbye to her son when he was 13 and heading off to a live-in high school seminary. The priest said, well, if you want to be a priest, you should go away for high school seminary. So I did that in Victoria, Kansas. My mom found that very hard because I was only 13 years old. That was 120 miles away. She found that very hard, and I remember she cried one day. and But then she said, well, if this is what God wants you to do, you have my full support. And she was very supportive from that moment on. I'm really grateful to her for that and to my dad. But mom had the heart of the, the religion uh, even more than dad did. But dad had the intellectual, the knowledge and, you know, understanding of the doctrine and the, the practices of the faith. So the two of them were great Catholic, showed good example to all three of us, my brother Mark and my sister Carol. Next, let's hear from Chicago's Bishop Rassis. Well, I'm Bishop George Rassis from Chicago, Auxiliary Bishop there. Bishop Rassis's parents have a total meet-cute story. George was on the Notre Dame football team and got injured. Francis, 
was the daughter of the doctor who treated his injury. Well, as a matter of fact, he uh, was playing in, I forget which football game it was, but he fractured his cheekbone in five places. They sent him up to Chicago to Mercy Hospital to have the surgery that he needed to repair his jaw. My Irish grandfather and his older brother, or one of his brothers, uh, were both doctors from Ireland, of course. My grandfather was uh, a Notre Dame football fan, you know, and said to my mother and her older sister, there was a Notre Dame football player in the hospital, and there's no family or no friends to come and see him here. Maybe my aunt, who was, uh, I think, uh, probably in first-year college, and my mother, who was junior in high school, would they like to go over and meet the uh, Notre Dame football player? And so that's how my, my mom and dad met each other. The rest is history. But Bishop Brassus is holding back a bit when he says, the rest is history, because it turns out that instead of asking out Francis, whom he would marry and have six children with, George first asked out her sister. He took my aunt out first. And I remember my sister's asking my mom, well, you know, didn't you think uh, Aunt Liz would? She, she said, no, we, I wasn't worried because she always went out with one person once, and that was it. So I just waited until she ever one date. And... Bishop Rassus's parents were married for 65 years. His mom drilled him in Latin so that he could be an altar server. You know, I started uh, as an altar boy in about fourth grade. Of course, in those days, Mass was in Latin, so it was my mom who made sure that we could, we had to know the responses before we could serve. And so I can remember mom drilling us on the, the confidier and the curie, which was Greek, which my father, of course, loved. So thanks, Mrs. Rassus. Next, we have Bishop Mansour, who is a Maronite bishop. I'm Bishop Gregory Mansour the Maronite Catholic Church and our eparchy, which is another name for diocese, our eparchy goes from Maine to Florida. Bishop Mansour grew up in Michigan, the oldest of six children. I was the oldest and most irresponsible. All the others are very, very good. (laughs) As a young mother with six kids, Gloria Mansour found herself having a hard time. She shared this story with her son after he'd had his own religious experience. My mother said she took all of us children to St. Mary's Church one day, and she said, God, I can't do this. I can only imagine the scene, all of us kids running around, and holding one or two in her arms and taking us all. And she said with tears, I can't do this. I need your help. So with that, that's one of my most beautiful experiences of my mother, not just all the different ways in which she raised us with lots of love and lots of tears and strict hand, and but a loving hand, a forgiving hand. Bishop Mansour says that as a kid, he couldn't tell that his mom was struggling. I remember going to church with the kids and my mom, but I had no idea as a little, little guy, maybe eight years old or nine years old, what my mom was going through. Gloria went back to school to get an associate's degree. When she took a psychology class, she came home upset. She came home one day really distressed. Oh, my God, I did everything wrong. I did everything wrong. I said, Mom, we didn't turn out that badly. We turned out okay. What? No, no, everything I did wrong. <laughs> but at her graduation, Gloria had six fans in the crowd. At her graduation, she did a two-year degree. It took her eight years to do it because of family responsibility. But at her two-year associate's degree graduation, all six kids were there raising their hands, screaming, yay, (laughs) yay, ma, go, ma. Bishop Mansour felt so much gratitude for his mother that for his ordination in Lebanon, 
He learned how to express this gratitude in Arabic. يا أخواتي الأم الشغل الأم يعني مش معقول يعني شيء مهم من شأن كل ولد وأنا كنت ولد مش كتير منيح بس أمي ربيني كتير منيح بدي شجعكم يا يا أمنا تشغلك يعني شغل الله. I wish you could see the bishop right now when he speaks in English. He is mild, self-contained. When he spoke this in Arabic, he was gesturing a lot, like an Italian. When asked what he'd say to moms who are struggling, he responded, "Go, mom. Go, mom. Don't don't get discouraged. Heck, the rest of us are depressed and discouraged enough. Don't be discouraged. When I was ordained a bishop in my broken Arabic in Lebanon, I had one word to say, and my word was a gratitude to my mother." And an encouragement to all the mothers out there that every tear, every distress, every difficulty in raising children is all worth it. And I said that in the poorest Arabic possible. Next, a quick story from Bishop Sis. I'm Michael Sis. I'm the Catholic Bishop of the Diocese of San Angelo, in West Texas. Bishop Sis is still a baby bishop. He's four years in. Here's his story about his mom, Janice. I was probably eight or ten years old. We were playing baseball out in an empty lot next to our house. The neighbor kid was at bat, and I was the catcher. And when he swung the bat, he accidentally hit me right in the mouth with the bat. And so my mouth was all bleeding, and my teeth were injured, and my mom. Somehow, found out that this had just happened, and she came out there. She saw my mouth was all bleeding, and she literally picked me up in her arms and carried me to the dentist's office, which was a couple of blocks away. She didn't bother getting the car. She just picked me up and carried me. And as I look back on that event, it was just a wonderful illustration of her care for me as a mother. And her willingness to drop everything and do what needed to be done for the well-being of her son. And Bishop Paprocki. Bishop Thomas John Paprocki. I'm the bishop of the diocese of Springfield in Illinois. Bishop Paprocki is one of nine children, seven of whom are boys. He treasures the brief time when, as a child, he had mom all to himself. I'm the third oldest, and my older brother and sister and I are each about a year and a half apart. But when my older brother went to school, that means my brother and sister were both in school, and for that that year, I had mom all to myself, and so I just remember that as a time that was really special. I was like an only child, sort of, for that year. So then, when I started school, I didn't want to go to school. I remember crying and making a lot of noise because I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to start kindergarten. And the way my mother got me to stop crying and agree to go to school. Was she promised me that when I got home, I'd get a bubblegum cigar. My dad used to sell bubblegum cigars in the pharmacy, so I thought, oh, a bubblegum cigar. Well, that got, that got me quiet. I also remember years later when I went away to the college seminary. So now I'm going to be away and in boarding school. And that time, my mother cried. I was happy, like I'm going to school. I'm going to live on my own. And my mother was crying, but so kind of the tables got turned. I saved the bishop with the best accent for last. Here's Bishop Caggiano. 
My name is Bishop Frank Caggiano, and I'm the Bishop of Bridgeport in Connecticut. Anyone who knows Bishop Caggiano knows that he loves his mom. He talks about her a lot and how she taught him what it means to love. Because he grew up in a close-knit Italian-American community, his mom always knew what was going on. I, I'm not a violent man, as I've, I've said on many occasions, even though people don't believe that, but I am not a violent man. When I was young, I forget it was in the fifth or the sixth grade, I had my first true fight with an older boy, not much older, who was just bullying, taunting, and you know, you just snap and you let him have it. It was a draw, I'm happy to say, it was a draw. <laughs> but it took place four and a half city blocks from where I live. And my mother, of course, was a homemaker, so she was, she was home all the time. Wouldn't you know it, from when it happened, to when I walked home, which could not have been five minutes, my mother was standing on the top of the steps waiting for me. First for an explanation, and then to make sure I was okay. And I thought to myself, who told her? But somebody did. <laughs> somebody knew her, knew that I was her son, knew her phone number. That's what I mean about neighborhood. It's big family. A neighborhood, in my mind, is your extended family. Bishop Caggiano also remembers a time when his mom had to intervene when he was making a teenage mistake. When I graduated grammar school, I was one of a group of friends. And we had already plotted that we were all going to Severian High School in Brooklyn. And they all did, except me. Because I, by some miracle, and it was a miracle, <laughs> was accepted into Regis High School in the city, which is a scholarship school. Therefore, no tuition. And I'll never forget at the dinner table, of course, at the dinner table, my father, <laughs> when the, all the acceptances came in and we had this big powwow, where are you going to school? And he said, so what, what school did you make? And I said, oh, I made Severian. I said, oh, it's great. And everybody's going, it's great, wonderful. He goes, what about that school in Manhattan? Ah, well, you know, the Severian's a great school, great. He said, what about school in Manhattan? And I said, oh, yeah, I made that school too. And of course, my father didn't pay attention to those sort of details. He says, well, how much does that school cost? I said, nothing. He said, what? I said, nothing. It's a Catholic school? Yeah, it costs nothing? Really? In Severian? I forget what it was. It's 5,000, 6,000. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. He said, he said so, you, <laughs> so this school costs me money and this school costs me no money. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> so that ended that discussion. I hated it. Got myself into trouble. Failed all my initial quizzes. Even my labs I failed. We were in the middle of October. I was, it was, the whole thing was imploding. Here, I asked the bishop if he thought he was doing it on purpose. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm not sure I had the courage to actually bring it completely to mind, but yeah, I was sabotaging the whole thing. Because I thought to myself, well, if I fail out of Regis, they'll take me to Severian, which is where I wanted to go in the first place. And my mother watched it unfold. And then we had this heart-to-heart -heart talk, talk at, the, at the table. And I'll never forget it. I came home for Regis. And she confronted me. And she said, how can you make a decision unless you give this school a chance? She says, it's not what you want to hear. You're going to be really upset. She said, I don't care. I'm your mother. <laughs> she said, you, you have the potential of wrecking your whole, your whole life because how do you know they'll take you? And then where do you go? So try it. Try it. She said, step up and try it. And if you don't like it, after you've given it your best shot, I will be the one to move you over. She said, don't worry about your father. I'll take care of your father. 
All right, so she, t- she told me, and yet I knew she loved me. And I said, you know what, she's right. It took me about a couple of days to get to that conclusion. And then I did apply myself. I graduated third in my class. And I grew to appreciate it. It was only probably at the end of sophomore year I could actually say I loved it because it was really a lot of work. So now looking back, it's one of my greatest blessings. But you see, that's what love does. The saints save you from disaster, don't they? Bishop Caggiano notes that in today's world, many people do not understand that they are lovable. In that sort of environment, I consider a saint to be a person who authentically and genuinely witnesses to God's unconditional love. If love is choosing the good of another, telling you the truth, holding you accountable, challenging you, right? It's not meant to just be cuddled, but also to affirm you when you fail, continue to accept you even when you sin, and never turn your back on you, as difficult as it becomes. My mother was the best living example of any person I have ever met in my life for whom I I never doubted a moment that she loved me. This doesn't mean that things always went smoothly at the Caggiano household. We had difficult conversations in my life. I did some really stupid things growing up. And she was as angry as they come, but I never doubted that I could tell her and never doubted that she would ever stop loving me. That is what I define to be a saint. When Frank Caggiano told his mom he wanted to be a priest, my mother... I thought was so happy she couldn't speak. I mean, it was like 10 Monica's, St. Monica's rolled up into one. And guess what became his mom's favorite video? I was assigned not far from, from the house. I went home and my mother was doing what she normally does. She was either praying the rosary or doing her novenas or cleaning the house. Or in this case, she was watching her favorite video in the whole wide world, which was my ordination video, which like she would watch like every other day. <laughs> yes, that's Jennerina also knew, maybe before Bishop Caggiano did, that he'd be a bishop. I had the pontifical sequel for two weeks. We couldn't say anything. Bishop DiMarzio had said the night before I could call my mom, my sister, because they needed to get ready for the next day, right? And I called my mother, and I said, I'm coming home for dinner. I went home for dinner. I sat down, and I said, Ma, I have good news. And she looked at me, and she goes, you're going to become a bishop. And I said, how do you know that? What are you talking about? She said... The only thing she said, she said, a mother's intuition. In Italian, it's the mother's heart. And so Mrs. Caggiano became Brooklyn's mama. And the people of the diocese of Brooklyn and Queens loved my mother. And when I was the pastor of St. Dominic's, the people of the parish adored my mother so much so that when my mother came, it was, it was funny. It was like they all flocked to her mom and I'm standing there, which is fine. Just fine. Finally, what Bishop Caggiano reflects on when he thinks of his mom. It gave me food for reflection on the relationship that would have been uniquely shared between our Lord and Our Lady. That the scripture, after those words, do whatever he tells you, Our Lady speaks nothing else that is recorded. And you could imagine how many times bystanders, those watching, followers, went first to Our Lady before they went to our Lord. Do you think I can go? Of course, go, go, go. <laughs> well, there you go. In closing, here's how Bishop Brassus reacted to doing an interview with me. Oh, take me, Jesus. <laughs> God, what an afternoon. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, 
writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.